Hey everybody, welcome back to Letterman Row. It's another week of Letterman Live. We've survived. It's brought to you by Roosters, uh, a fun casual joint for a fun casual conversation. I'm Austin Ward, joined by my Letterman Row colleagues over there, Spencer Holbrook and Jeremy Birmingham. And just just one Buckeye with us this week, but we've got the best one, right? Justin Zwick uh, <laughs> in the building, uh, hanging out with us as we try and survive. Maybe we're starting to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel here. Uh, maybe we could get back on a Roosters patio in a week or, or maybe two. We're trying to formulate some plans uh, along with our partners there so that we can get out of this Zoom meeting, uh, get Justin back out of the house. He's already getting rid of the facial hair, so you know he's preparing <laughs> to get out into the open. <laughs> they want to scare too many people when I start going out. <laughs> it seems like, guys, that – so all this progress is incremental and not, none of it – uh, is definitive or permanent. It can all change. But last week there were a couple, you know, signs that maybe um, college football will be back. I think I've been saying that over and over that in some form or fashion will be played. But we had, I'm going to just call them Big Ten and, and Pac-12 governors. You had Mike DeWine putting in for his season tickets at Ohio State, which might be just a symbolic measure, but it, it's at least one sign that he thinks there's an option for football to be played. And then out in Oregon where you've got that big September non-conference game. This update wasn't quite as encouraging uh, where uh, I think her name's Kate Brown said that there weren't going to be, uh, you know, concerts, sporting events with crowds and uh, through September. So that doesn't rule out that that game could be played, but there's going to have to probably be some concessions made. Then there's all these other plans that they're talking about with not, you know, just playing conference games only or, you know, whatever you push the schedule back a month. Jay-Z, when you look at this, and nobody has to make a prediction because there's a long way to go, are you more optimistic today than you were last week or a month ago that we're going to have a season uh, in 2020? Gosh, uh, yes. Um, I, I just have a feeling that once all this stuff starts to kind of open slowly and you start to get out and get back to normal life, I think America is, is a country of one that – all right, we're on to the next thing. Uh, you know, like they want to focus on something, then we're on to something new. And I think and I hope that these slow rollouts and things can continue to go good. You see Georgia has had some lower numbers. They've been back open a little bit. You know, you, you hope you see more and more of those stories to where it's like, all right, people start getting their confidence back saying, all right, you know what? We went through it. We lowered everything. We did the best we could. Now let's move on. And then I think – that just snowballs, you know, just like anything, whether it's hysteria of staying inside or, you know, getting back out, it's going to snowball. And if we can have some success and some good numbers coming out, uh, I think they, uh, you know, hit, I don't want to say hit the reset button on their thoughts, but just say, all right, you know, things are going well. Let's just go ahead and start moving forward. I hate the, you know, the idea of even talking about September right now, you know, that's been, you know, right. everything's been so daily or weekly different, you know, updates you know, for those people to come out and say, well, you know, I don't know about school next fall. Like, what are we talking about next fall for? Let's talk about, you know, talking about June. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, like, let's, let's talk about what we're doing now to try and move forward instead of speculating on this or that. So I, I really hope and I think that, you know, as this gets back out and we, we start to get back out and to live our normal lives that we can say, you know what, we can do this. And, uh, you know, it gives that confidence to people and to the higher up saying, all right, you know, we're not going to be the bad guys, if we go back and say, yeah, you can play football. And, you know, you know, I think you get that confidence of the people behind them, they'll, they'll change their tune a little bit. So I'm, I'm very hopeful. And, uh, you know, you see some schools, I think what the SEC had, what, seven schools said they'll be back 
yeah. in the fall, you know, so you start seeing that, you start, you know, everybody else is going to be saying, well, if they're going to do it, you know, maybe that gives us the opening to say we're going to be back in the fall. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that the SEC is taking the lead on that as, as football craze as that is. And, you know, the Big Ten is right there with them, especially with, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, how important it is to those athletic departments. But there's been a little more caution, I think, in the Big Ten footprint than there has been down in the SEC, which, you know, it just means more, right, Berm? <laughs> Number one, uh, Kate Brown sounds like a made-up name. I might have made it up. I'm not sure. There's 50 I don't numbers. think that's a real person. I don't think that's a real person because a real person, as Jay-Z said, wouldn't be thinking about shutting things down in September right now. That's just idiotic. To even suggest it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's no value. You gain nothing by making that sort of broad stroke proclamation four months, five months ahead of time. It's stupid. Just as it's worthless that Mike DeWine, you know, went ahead and re-upped his season tickets, that doesn't mean anything. As you said, that's just a symbolic gesture. He's, he's the governor of Ohio. If he didn't do that, Buckeyes fans would eat him for lunch. Um, number three, it's, it's much easier right now to kind of accept this as it's May 11th outside and it's 35 degrees and there's snow last night. So as, as the weather starts to warm up and people start to realize that they get out of their houses and start to go back to normal life. I went to the grocery store Saturday and I'm telling you, it was more busy in that grocery store on Saturday than I've ever seen my grocery store. And it's the largest, most, uh, it's the highest selling Kroger store in Northern Ohio and Michigan. So it, it's an always busy store and I've never seen it like it was on Saturday. Um, people are itching to get out and I, I, I'm not trying to downplay the severity of what's going on around the world, but I think it's pretty obvious to people that things are, the goal has been accomplished, which was to mitigate and to lessen the curve and make sure hospitals were prepared and all like, we can't just live our lives in our houses. So at some point there will be concessions made to say, Hey, okay, if we're going to move forward, we need to do this. If we're going to, and people will do it um, as they've shown in the last two months, people were told stay in your house. We've done it. So now I think people will be told the next thing of, okay, let's make sure we do this and then it'll get done. But Kate Brown's a made up name. So. <laughs> and Spencer, you, you put that in one of the uh, Scarlet Sunrise posts last week with the update there for Oregon, Ohio state. I have tried to live by this rule and I've written it and I've talked about it on this show that until we get to June one and not just us, but administrators, athletic directors, you know, government officials, there's really no point to talk about speculate what the deck actual plan is going to be for this season. They, they don't have to make that decision right now. You still get three more weeks of information or more. You know, if you're trying to get to, um, you know, six weeks of training camp or that adjusted period, well, that's the middle of July where you could still start the season on time. So echoing what Berm said, to say that you have to go through September right now, that's even a prediction that seems to have no merit to me. But I'll put the question to you. Do you, do you have the enhanced confidence that I asked Jay-Z and Berm about? I think I do because the thing about that to me is, okay, if Oregon says, okay, we need to have 30,000 people in the stands if we're going to play football. You know, there, there's a concession they could make. Okay, we're losing 30,000 seats in our 60,000-seat stadium. I just think to come out and say that if Kate Brown was a SEC or Big Ten governor, that's cause for losing a re-election bid. Uh, if you say we're not playing football, uh, I, I just think it's way premature. Um, I thought it was just kind of a, 
a, uh, kind of a doom and gloom attitude to have. And obviously we look at it from a college football standpoint and she, she referenced concerts. She referenced large sporting events. I don't think directly on her mind was Ohio state, Oregon on September 12th, but to just to look at everything from a perspective of we can't do things until September, October. Well, people aren't going to stay in their houses until then, like Berm said, and like Jay-Z said. So it just, it's interesting to me the way different areas around the country are talking about this because you can be optimistic about what can happen in the fall while still being cautious. I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. And I think we're trying to make everything far too mutually exclusive when it, talk, when it comes to the conversation about getting sports back uh, in this country. I, I, I meant it as a joke, really, with you know the SEC, and, and you brought this up, losing a re-election campaign. This is no offense to Oregon, but it's a reminder that college football for these Pac-12 teams in California, Washington, Oregon, it is not – that's not as important to them. It's not as important as in the state of Ohio or the state of Tennessee or Alabama where college football is not only, you know, something that, you know, entertains us every day, but it's a vital part to the economy. And if maybe Kate Brown, again, if that's a real person, as Berm, Berm's still skeptical, <laughs> you know, maybe you would have said, well, we're going to limit this stuff until the end of July or August, because in her mind, she's probably not thinking that the college football season starts in September. I don't mean to make that assumption off a person that I don't know and might not be real, but you, you, you would not have heard, I don't think, Jay-Z, Mike DeWine say, we're, gonna, we're not going to do anything through September because everyone in this state knows what September is. Well, Mike Wine said I re redid my tickets so everybody gets off his back a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, well, listen, guys, I'm buying my tickets. I bought them. You know, we'll see what happens, but I bought my tickets. So why don't you guys get off my back a little bit here? We're opening restaurants. You know, I'm buying my tickets. You know, that sort of thing. I think the most interesting plan, uh, you know, so Tim May and I have both been working on some of the stuff that Gene Smith and Ohio State is talking about right now and kicking around ideas to prepare for this moment. And we don't need to get into all of those. But from a player's perspective, Justin, one idea that they have talked about is not just having the team quarantined in that hotel, you know, down in Grandview Yards for training camp, but potentially the entirety of the season. And to me, I think that there's a big flaw, several big flaws in that plan. But one is like, I mean, can you imagine your team uh, and you're 18, 19 years old being forced to live in that hotel for the entire year? Let's forget about the unique circumstance for a second. I just don't think that you guys would, would be okay with being removed from society for four months when you're a freshman or sophomore in college. Yeah, that would be, uh, be an, interesting, an interesting thing. Now, that hotel they're in is much better than the University Plaza where we stayed <laughs> when I was in school. So, you know, they're going to be living a little bit better. But, uh, that would, you know, I think at this point in time, I think athletes would probably be okay with that. Uh, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, it's like, you know, LeBron came out, well, I'm not going to play if there's no fans in the stands. Well, I bet LeBron would go play with no fans in the stands right now, you know, to say we want to finish the season. I, I think, you know, these college kids have been going through what they, you know, no spring ball, no this, no that. If you told them this is how we're going to do it and this is how we're going to be able to play a season, yeah, it'd say, okay, whatever it takes, you know, let's go ahead and do this. I mean, during the football season, you're spending so many hours at the Woody Hayes, you know, you might as well, you know, have a bed there. You might as well live there, there anyway, anyway, right. You know, so, I mean, it's like they have so much going on during the fall, you know. You throw school on top of that. You have your study tables. You have this and that. But by the time you get home, it's 8 o'clock anyway. So, if you're going to a hotel, if you're going to your apartment, yes, you don't have that 
get away feeling where you kind of just relax. All right, I'm out of the football. I'm back in my own apartment. You know, maybe my roommates aren't football players, you know, that sort of thing. You don't have that. But I think any player, any athlete would say, as long as you're giving me a season and I can go out and I can perform and do what I came here to do, I'll go stay in a hotel for a few months and, and, and do what we have to do. So I, I think they would be itching to get back out. And if that's the way they were able to do it, uh, I don't think they'd have a problem with it. Michael Jordan would play without fans, just so we know. <laughs> of course he would. <laughs> I, I don't know. He, he does seem like he, he cared about uh, the fans somewhat and the way people viewed him. And he wouldn't be as rich as, as he was without him. I think it's his teammates that he hates, just not, a, not the fans. <laughs> Well, he, he wanted punched punch Dover fan. fan, so there's that every night. He never, punch, he, he never, he never punched a fan. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely punched his teammates. <laughs> I, I think I wanted like ten more minutes about the Steve Kerr Michael Jordan fight. Like, I feel like that got brushed over too quickly. How many other teammates might Michael Jordan have punched? You know what I think the biggest upset of this entire uh, last dance thing is is how the Bulls were able to maintain a regular NBA uniform in the 1990s when everyone else lost their damn mind and had, like, <laughs> rainbows and mountains and uh, every other – T-Rexes. Oh, they're all hideous. And then the Bulls are still, like, the classic uniform. And I, I don't know how the Bulls manage that. I, I, I want to know if Jordan had something to do with that. Well, they did bring in the black pinstripe, right? I mean, that – But those are sweet. Those might be the best ones that they have. Totally different. Those are awesome. Uh, the Sonics jerseys, oh, my gosh, how bad were those? <laughs> I think you're forgetting about the Grizzlies. Um, I'm not. That's my whole point. The Grizzly, the, Pistons <laughs> moved, the Pistons moved to that weird teal, like, horse. It was just a bad time for everyone. Uh, okay, so somebody did ask me this about Ohio State's jerseys, and I don't ever have any real insight or care about it. But – I do think that the ones that they wore in the Fiesta Bowl should be the new permanent jerseys. I'm just going to say it right there. Is there any? I don't know if there's even more. The gray sleeve. Is that, is that the gray sleeve? Because that's the big thing, right? They kind of went. Yes. I think it was my senior year. We kind of went and put the black with the white on the sleeve. You went to the Wisconsin sleeves. Is, yeah. So, we went, yeah, went to that. Like, I was just looking up the one from – like, we got gray – that's the old school one I have from probably 2005. So it must have been 2006 that they switched that. But uh, I agree with that. I think the gray looks nice. I think it looks the best the best out of all of them. I, you know, I, I don't like switching it up too much. You know, I'm a traditionalist. Ohio State has one of those uniforms that, you know, I don't think should be touched, even though you do the things that you do for these recruits and throw these crazy wild – you know, I get that, you know, every now and then. But, uh, man, you can't – it's hard to be the traditional – Objectively speaking, the ones with the gray sleeves are significantly better looking than the tradition than the current home and road uniforms. Like significantly better. But the tradition, the tradition for me lies in the helmet. The tradition is all about the helmet. So as just put gray on the sleeves. I don't know how why it's so hard. They're just the so gray, much better looking. That's, that's just so much be. better. That's what they were for fifty years. I mean, I, I know that's what that's why they're better. The best ones were the 1968 ones that had the black number on the sleeve. Those like, are sweet. Yeah. Those were really cool. I can't even imagine what the resistance to putting that back on permanently would be. Like how, how do you even make an argument that it shouldn't be there? Like all, we're all yeah, I don't know. You can go year in and year out. It's not like the NFL where you have to stay into a 
uniform for a certain amount of years or anything, is it? Or No. No, but you can also just make the current ones that don't have the gray, make that an alternate. And so wear that every once every <laughs> five weeks. Like you, you can do whatever you want, but the gray, the, the gray sleeve jerseys are significantly better looking than any other Ohio State jersey they have. As long I mean, as – I think as long as – they can keep whatever uniforms they want as long as they get rid of those white lab coat things they always wear for the Fiesta Bowl. I think oh, everybody would be much happier. That was Nike's worst thing ever. They looked like they looked like they were in a prison, cha- like a chain gang. It was awful. I don't know if you were, I don't know if you saw those Jay Z, but well, they, I was just thinking back my senior year. Nike gave us it was like it was a coat to go over you know your, your shoulder pads. And it had your number on it, and I think the quarterbacks may have only got them. But, I mean, it was actually kind of cool. Not that you would wear it during the game. So, I'm like, all right, this is going to be sweet at home. But it's just so big, and, you know, like you can't, you can't do anything with it because I don't have shoulder pads on <laughs> during the day. So It seems like it would be impossible to mess up a sweatsuit. It's all, all it's got to be is gray. Like, that's all anybody wants. And they gave Ohio State these just – White pants, white jacket. Were they short sleeves too? Like they were. Yeah, yeah. super baggy. Like they hang down to their knees. They're just short sleeves all the way to the elbow, though. So they're not really short sleeves. Yeah, so it's not short. It looked like it something was a weird, that Nelly would wear cross- for, a pimp, for the pimp use video. <laughs> yeah. It was anyway. a weird cross between like a boy band and a prison outfit. It was terrible. Yeah, All right, so maybe we should talk a little about football on this show, uh, Roosters, Letterman Live. Um, I don't know if, if you guys all saw this or if it was just me, but Justin Fields posted some of his private workout videos from down there. I believe he's in Georgia, close to home. And his, he looked absolutely jacked out of his mind. I don't know what he's been doing, but the physical transformation, however he's found a gym to work out with, his arms – Maybe it was just a trick of the picture, but it looks like he's been doing work. And we've talked about him before on here, Justin, with, you know, just that chance to go into year three. He's going to, he's maturing into more, you know, of a man. He's, you know, three years in a, in a college is going to be different than when you arrive as a freshman. If he's, if he's packing on more muscle, if he's physically ready, how big of a deal is that, you know, for him this summer, this off season to get ready for year three in, in the college level? Uh, you know, I, that's, that's a tough one because he is a specimen, you know, last year. And, you know, he's 6'3", fast as all get out. You know, he has all the tools. So, to get bigger, stronger, faster, and more mature, it's just going to make him even more of a, of a threat. Um, you know, and as an athlete going into a season knowing, like, I'm in the best shape of my life, you know, it just gives you that confidence of, you know, I can do whatever I need to do out there. You know, if I need to throw this guy off – off of me and then go make a play you know I feel stronger I feel more more adept to be able to do that um but you know he's a freak of nature anyways you know coming out of high school the kid could have you know he, he was better shape than I ever was as 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 a senior in college you know he's just that's just how they grow these kids nowadays but uh you know for him to he better be bigger because he hasn't had anything else to do except lift and work out here in the last few weeks uh so it's good to see that at least he's doing that but uh you know it just gives you that, that mindset, that confidence of, hey, I've done the work. I feel it. I can see it. You know, I'm throwing a harder ball or I'm throwing a further ball. You know, I, it all comes together, and it just gives you the confidence. Now, the other side of that is that's great and all. Great physical shape, being able to throw the ball through a wall. You know, what's he doing up here is what, you know, 
be interested in seeing, you know, are they sending film to their iPads? Are they making sure, all right, here's your checklist for the day. I want you to do, you know, first down, you know, first and 10 blitz packages. I want you to do third and long, you know, just different things like that, that he should be doing mentally because you don't, you're not getting that. You don't get those spring reps. You don't get that sort of thing. So mentally, is he on that iPad? Is he doing what he needs to do to come into that season? Yeah, he's going to feel great. He's going to be the best shape of his life. But mentally, is he going to be as strong? Because as a quarterback, as we all know, you know, you got to be there and be ready to go and to make that jump that everybody's going to expect him to if there's a full season and all that. But the, the head is where, where that's going to be. So if you were if you were Ryan Day or, or Corey Dennis, this is a, a unique challenge for him as a first-time, full-time coach now trying to get through this. You have one year – in the offense and he's and Justin Fields has probably watched every single game multiple times. He only got those three practices. So you didn't have 12 more, uh, you know, 12 more practices of film to break down. So there's a limited amount that they could draw from for Justin Fields where he's on the field. What is it that you think if you were in their shoe that you would want to see as the quarterback or that you would send as a coach to get that mental part there? What should he be watching? Gosh, I, I mean, I would probably just go back in, be honest I'd probably send him some NFL film uh you know of a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning just to see you know it's gonna be old film but give him ideas all right on this play you know they have so much breakdown on that stuff nowadays that you can say all right Peyton saw this or Tom saw this and this is what he did and you know have that explanation get that mind or that thought process going in a quarterback's mind saying all right it's third down and long you know we know they percentage wise do this on a third and long as a quarterback we call this they come up and they give you this. What do you do? You know, just those types of things. I would try and uh, get as much as that as you can because, you know, they're calling plays and they know they're up in the in the booth saying, all right, if we get this look, it's checking to here or we should go here. And for Justin to be able to do that, at, you know, at the drop of a dime on the field, you know, while he's walking up to the thing, that is something that it's going to be hard to do through a video screen, but at least he's done it. You know, at least he's been there saying, all right, they called this play. We didn't get that look that they wanted. We're going to go this way. All right, now they're blitzing this linebacker. All right, I got to call, and I got to check out of this, and I got to get me a slant on the backside. You know, just those types of things is what I would try to be throwing at him right now um, just to get his mind working and, and really thinking of walking up to the line of scrimmage, and this is what I'm seeing. What do we need to do? Uh, you know, that's how the quarterback takes that next step. He can do everything. Mm -hmm. But can he get up there and say, mm, Coach, I didn't like this look. I knew this is what we wanted. It wasn't there. So I went and I made the change and I made, you know, a different call and it worked, you know, that's where that confidence up here as a quarterback just becomes like, I got this. I don't even need you to call a play. You know, like I'm at the line of scrimmage. I know what we want to do. I know what they're giving us and how we want to attack it. Boom. You know, we're going to go with it. So I, you know, as you know, it's, 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 it's hard. It's going to be harder to do, you know, Hey, Justin, look at these. And yeah. send them, you're sending them videos. Now, you, we can jump on and we can talk about certain things, you know, on a video like this, but it's not the same as getting live reps. But, you know, that's just where everybody's at right now. you got to adjust and uh, adapt to the situation. And I, and I hope and I'm guessing that they're probably doing things like that with him. Yeah. Berm, it sounded like, you know, from the conversations that we've had with Ryan Day, the teleconferences over the last couple of months, that he's not doing a lot of that. Uh, hands-on X's and O's with the individual players. He doesn't have time for it with all the other stuff he's got to do. So that's that's pressure on Corey Dennis. It feels like seven or eight years ago that you were talking to him on signing day. He's kind of a 
I mean, he's in an intriguing spot here. Like, everybody is. It's yeah. hard and you have to adjust. But this certainly isn't what he envisioned for the first time that he's being thrown in there with direct responsibility for a Heisman Trophy contender and two early enrollee freshmen and then Gunnar Hoke trying to fit in in his second year in the program. This is a – I mean, this is going to tell a lot about what kind of uh, relationship or impact Corey Dennis can have with these guys. Well, the good news for Corey is that he has a Heisman Trophy frontrunner as this, you know, leader. Um, it makes that, that adjustment a lot easier um, because you know what you have with Justin Fields. You know what you have already. Obviously, the challenge now is how do you elevate him to the next level um, and then think about that in the, in the, in the span of, hey, this season could be very condensed. It could be a, an eight-week season. So now all of these, these workouts and things that – Justin's doing now may be beneficial then because he's in better shape for a, a, a season that is uh, not four months long. It's only or two or three months long. Um, I think the interesting thing is you brought up is how Ohio state moves on beyond Justin Fields, because you have to start thinking in, in the world because of all the uncertainties, we don't know if we've seen Justin Fields last time in a Buckeye uniform, but you have C.J. Stroud, a five-star quarterback. You have Jack Miller, a four-star quarterback who were true freshmen, who early enrolled. This spring was so big for those guys as far and, – and as far as the, the relationship between them and Corey Dennis and the development between Corey Dennis and, and them, how he helps them get to where Justin is. That's where I think the most interesting thing. To have those guys for three practices and then to have to send them home to California and Arizona, that's where things get murky. Justin Fields is the easy part of that equation. I mean, that, you know what you have with him. So for Corey, for, for C.J. Stroud, for Jack Miller, when you're talking – what Justin's talking about here, Justin's with, is those mental reps that those guys are missing, I think, is the most important thing because Justin Fields is a different class of player. He's a different there. level of quarterbacking than the right. right now. And because he, even if he has a mental breakdown, he has the ability physically to save something um, where other guys may not. For the young guys, like these mental uh, reps, I mean, it's not the same thing for CJ Stroud to be working out in California by himself. It's not the same thing for Jack Miller to be working in Arizona by himself. So um, that's where I think things get really interesting as you look beyond. Obviously, recruiting, I am always thinking about what happens two years, three years down the road. Um, so that's where I start to go, okay, how do, how do, how does Corey Dennis, how does Ryan Day make up for this lost time with those guys? Because I, I believe C.J. Stroud was going to be the backup quarterback for Ohio State this year. Now I don't think that because I don't think he can be um, because that lost time is just impossible to make up. Yeah, I wonder, and I was going to ask Spencer about this, if he thought that this w would work in Gunnar Hoke's favor or what he sees happening with that race. But, I mean, just – again, to, to tread into that speculation water that I try to avoid, if you have six straight weeks as opposed to a spring and then a couple months off, I mean, maybe that's something that would work for Stroud or Miller's advantage where if you're just constantly in it and there's no break in between, maybe that helps them. I don't know. Do you see this as working for Gunnar Hoke's advantage right now, Chives, if they don't get to come back and, and have maybe that extra two or three weeks in the summer? Well, I think it could, but I think the biggest thing – uh, to go back to Justin's point and bring in Berms a little bit, it all ties together. When you have a Heisman front runner as your quarterback who just faced in his last four games, a Penn state defense that was incredible, a Michigan defense that has Don Brown, 
uh, Wisconsin defense has Jim Leonard and then Brent Venables, and he played that well against all four of them. You can send all three of your other quarterbacks that film and say, this is the level of quarterback play we want at Ohio State. If you want the mental reps, you'll watch this, you'll learn from it. So all three of them should come in with a good mental base of what they need to be doing just because they can watch Justin Fields against the best defenses in the country and, and just watch him. He picked apart Clemson in that first half. He picked apart Wisconsin in the second half. He did whatever he wanted against Michigan, and then we know what happened against Penn State. They ran the ball pretty well, but he also played pretty well. So I think all of these things can come together, and all these quarterbacks can be almost at an even playing field because Gunnar Hoke is not raw talent-wise as talented as probably C.J. Stroud is, but he's got a leg up because he's been in the program for a year. Well, if that talent can equate and you can then get C.J. Stroud a leg up, you can have him become the backup quarterback pretty easily, or Jack Miller can be the same thing. So I think as long as they're getting the mental reps and then doing whatever they just need to do physically, uh, I think that it can be an even race coming into the fall. I think at first I thought Gunnar Hoke had the leg up, and I thought Gunnar Hoke was probably going to be the backup quarterback entering the fall. But now once I think about it a little deeper, you know, Ryan Day can send – the highlights from Justin Fields, he can send a bunch of Dwayne Haskins film to surefire first round quarterbacks and say, this is what we expect out of our quarterbacks. If you come into the program and you're going to be at this level, or at least uh, on trajectory to be at this level, you're going to be the backup quarterback. To me, the, the, the lost time is most uh, felt when it comes to mentally preparing to be a college quarterback, not necessarily watching tape, not necessarily even understanding um, progressions and that kind of stuff. I mean, the day in day out work that has to go with being up at a certain time, doing the, the routine of being in college that those guys enrolled early to get ahead of that. And then they've lost that. That's where I think the biggest adjustment comes because you go back to California, you go back to Arizona, you go back to Scottsdale and uh, Rancho Cucamonga, all of a sudden things are a little bit more laid back. And I think that you need guys who, uh, you know, as Urban Meyer said on the on the show a few weeks ago, that fourth and one every every play mentality. Like, and I don't know that you get that in this sort of environment that we're in um, worldwide, where things right now are like, oh, who the hell knows when we're going to do anything? Um, you don't know if C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller have the ability to flip that switch. We know that Justin Fields, after taking a year off, basically at Georgia. And coming to Ohio State, we've seen him flip that switch. So that, to me, is the biggest mental adjustment, not necessarily the football IQ stuff. I think for those guys, and, and Jay-Z could probably speak to this, they, he's, they got three months of that, or two and a half months, which is still better than nothing. Um, they, get to, they got to go to classes before everything shut down. They got, you know, one week of training camp. I think all of that is still – that's uh, not nothing. And that was the other option. If you're hanging through the summer, like you wrote about Cameron Martinez, Berm, and these guys who you know, weren't able to be there for the spring, they didn't get any of that. They didn't have to go through half of a semester. And I, I think sometimes maybe we're making too big a deal out of not having those 12 spring practices. We know that they're valuable and they mean a lot, but they also had six, seven weeks of getting up at 6 a.m. for – uh, they had they went through all the mat drills. They had to go through classes, and they started their their college careers that way. And they're still they didn't they didn't when they went home to California or Arizona, they didn't just drop out of college. They had to continue to do that while they were there. It's online remote learning. It's not the same. And all of that is all of this is true for everything. It's not the same. We get that. But I, I think that 
it's not like they missed out on the entire experience. And they probably took a lot of that home with them after having gone through it for six weeks and seeing what Justin Fields did every day. And they know that that's what they have to be ready to do when they come back. No, certainly. I think that, like I said, I think the biggest thing here is understanding your role and understanding where you fit on the totem pole. And you go from being the man uh, on January 1, everyone in your hometown is telling you you're the, you're the cat's meow, you're the, you know, big kahuna, uh, you're the big cheese. You go to Ohio State for two months and you, you're told, hey, no, you're not, you're nothing. Yeah. You got to work again. And then you go home again and all of a sudden you're back to being local hero guy. And I think that that is when there's some, some mind confusion happening um, potentially. And I, I think the value of those guys being on campus is understanding that they are uh, people who have a lot of work to do. So you hope that they're still feeling that way, but you just don't know. It's, it's 2020. And the way that these kids are idolized and recruiting, I just think that there's a, a real value in being on campus and understanding a hierarchy of how a program works as opposed to being home when, you know, you're getting taken care of by mom. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing there is they got the opportunity to see how Mick runs his program in the weight room. Sure. Um, you know, I think a lot of these guys probably coming in, you know, right away are like, oh, crap, this isn't how I used to work out back, <laughs> you know, in high school. Yeah. Um, so for, for them to be able to get that short condensed time to see like, wow, this is how they work, not even football related, you know, in a way it's just, this is how we work in the weight room. This is the mentality they have in the weight room or when they're doing their drills or this or that, I think to be able to get a glimpse of that is huge. Cause then they can at least go back and say, all right, well, those workouts I was doing at home, they were good and they got me to that point, but I've seen the other side and I know what is expected. And if I go back, this fall or this summer and I'm not to where that level was when we left, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm going to be behind the eight ball. So I think that is a plus. I think what, what hurts the young quarterbacks is, you know, it's all great to watch film and do, you know, that sort of thing, learn the playbook and this and that, but you're not getting those live bullets in practice. You know, that I think is huge because you go from a high school to college. I mean, it's, it's a pretty big jump. You got some grown men that are playing who've been there for, you know, four or five years and you're just this little freshman coming in. You know, not getting those, like, you may walk up to the last screen and like, all right, I've seen this on film. I know what I'm supposed to do. But then all of a sudden you got, you know, Chase Young's not there anymore, but, you know, you got, you know, the D lineman talking to you, talking smack to you, and you got all this other stuff, and all of a sudden a blitz comes, you don't see it, and you get whacked. You know, like, it doesn't happen so fast up here on the field as it would be like, oh, yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah. Um, you know, those live bullets are what they miss, so – you know, they, they can study and do everything to prepare themselves as much as possible. But when things start flying and it's live or you're going 11 on 11, that's a little bit different than sitting there, you know, watching the screen. Yeah. We don't know exactly when that will be. We also would like uh, to stop watching these screens ourselves and get back to the Roosters for a Letterman Live. Uh, I miss you guys in person. I miss the, uh, I miss the mac and cheese bites and wings. The food, yeah. <laughs> every, and every, yeah, the food especially, maybe more so, but now, we're hoping to get back to that point soon. Not going to make any definitive predictions, but we're, we're hopefully uh, turning that way and getting, getting some optimism back. Uh, appreciate Jay-Z, Spencer Holbrook, Jeremy Birmingham hanging out with me uh, for another week. We're, we survived one more. Uh, hopefully, we'll be right back here next Monday after another week uh, of quarantine as things start to open up here in Ohio and get back to normal. We're going to keep talking about college football no matter what. For these guys, I'm Austin Ward. We'll see you next week on uh, Letterman Live brought to you by Roosters. Bye-bye.